turn away from their sins. He's calling them to repent of their sins. So if you would follow along with me in Luke chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 where Luke says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iteria and in the region of Tacronitus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. So right there in the middle of the wilderness, John is baptizing many people. And he's baptizing them as an outward sign of what was going on inside. He was baptizing them as an outward sign of their inward repentance, their inward desire to turn away from a sinful lifestyle, their inward desire to turn away from anything that was sinful or might tear away from the glory of God. And he was doing that, preparing the way for the Lord, preparing the way for the Lord by helping them to begin to bear fruit, to show, if you will, the signs that they had truly turned away from their sin. See, a lot of people, when it comes to repentance, when they get saved, they say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, but I ain't turning away from it. I mean, you know a lot of people like that, don't we? Yeah, I want what you have to offer, Lord, but I'm not willing to turn away from that sinful lifestyle. That's not bearing fruit worthy of repentance. So let me ask you, in light of the passage of Scripture I just shared with you from Luke chapter 3, friend, are you prepared? Are you prepared to allow Jesus unhindered access into your life? Are you ready to allow him to come into every nook and cranny, every facet, every corner of your life and make the change that he wants to make? Friend, does the path you're walking sometimes seem a little twisted? Do you have valleys of complaining that need to be filled with contentment? Friend, do you have mountains of sin that need to be bulldozed through? Are there crooked places in your life 
that you need to have put in order? Do you have rough places of bitterness that need to be smoothed over with a little forgiveness? Well, as you know, we have been for the last several weeks hoping to curb the flood of sin outside the camp. But we've realized that we cannot curb the flood of sins outside the camp until we deal with the sin inside the camp. Amen? So for the last these two weeks, we've been exposed to, and friend, listen, I pray that you've been responding to. See, it's one thing to be exposed to the Word of God. It's another thing entirely to respond to the Word of God. And we've been doing it by responding to those sins of thought that we have. Those sins that lurk in our attitudes. Those sins of our speech. And then last week we found a lot of walls. Walls that need to be torn down. Walls that uh, need to be torn down as we repent of sins in our relationships. Those sins in our relationships that need to be torn down, but also those sins of commission that need to be torn down as well. And so today, I'm going to finish this series up as we prepare the way for the Lord. To prepare the way for the mighty power and presence of God in your life, we also must learn to repent of sins of omission. Say omission. Omission. See, if sins of commission are things that we do that God forbids, sins of omission are sins that are sins of things that we don't do that God commands. You see the difference? Let me go over it again. Sins of commission are things you do that God forbids. Sins of omission are things that you don't do that God commands. Both of them are sins. Listen, just listen to what James wrote. He said, for the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. See, we have to learn about these sins of omission in our own camp before we go pointing fingers outside the camp. You see, the average Christian sees his or her life as a series of ups and downs. They're either up or down. They're either in the valley or, or in the valley or on the mountain. They're either on the peak or in the pit, right? But that's not the way we should view our lives. The Christian life should be viewed as a process of ins and outs. God works it in, we work it out. That should be the way we view it. Paul said to the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God works it in, we work it out. Now, we don't work for our salvation. We know that. Jesus bought that on the cross. Amen? We know that. But after we receive the gift of eternal life by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, then the Bible commands us to work out to work out what God has placed in our lives. And listen, friend, when that starts happening in your life, you're going to walk around with a little grin. 
When that starts happening in your life and you know you're right with God, you know you're being obedient to God, you know you're working out what God's working in, then you're going to become an example. You're going to start becoming an example for other people on the outside, not because of what you're doing in the flesh, but because of what the power of God is doing for you and through you on the inside. But you can't become an example until you submit and surrender to the perfect will of God. Therefore, perhaps the most crucial way that we commit sins of omission is by failing to abide in Jesus Christ. What are you talking about, Bill? Abiding in Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus said it really well in John 15, 4. He said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. Never forget this, y'all. Y'all ready for this? Say amen if you're ready. Amen. Here it comes. It's impossible to live in the fullness and the power of God apart from daily prayer and close fellowship with the Word of God. You can't do it. You've got to stay in constant communication with God. You've got to stay in constant communication with God. It's impossible to live in the fullness and power of God unless you're speaking to him and learning from his word. God's word teaches us what's right. It teaches us what's not right. It teaches us how to get right. And it teaches us how to stay right. Therefore, friend, we are never spiritually stronger than the strength and quality of our personal time in God's word. Friend, if it's not an intricate part of who you are, I want to encourage you this morning to carve out that part of your day where you are most in tune, more, most apt to hear from God, and you spend some time in the Word. Because if you're not, you'll never enjoy the strength and power of God that He wants to demonstrate through your life. But there's another sin of omission that we need to consider, and that is this. The sin of silence. There is absolutely no doubt that God has called every one of his children to be a verbal witness of what he's done for you on the cross. Consider this. If we don't tell people what Jesus has done for them on the cross, and they end up going to hell, eternally separated from God, are we then not at least partially responsible? When we had opportunity to share but chose not to, when we were committing the sin of silence by refusing to share the good news that could spare them the eternal suffering of a separation from God, just listen to a second for what the Lord taught or told one of his prophets. He told the prophet Ezekiel this. God said, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. But you, Ezekiel, give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked of his wicked way to save his life. And that same wicked man dies in his iniquity, listen to what God said. His blood 
I will require at your hand. You might say, well, Bill, I, I live a good life. I like for my, the way I live to be the proof that I'm saved. I want my life to be a testimony. You may, not, you may say, you know, Bill, I'm just not gifted in that. You know, I'm not comfortable sharing what Jesus has done for me and how I'm saved. You can't just say that. Because the Bible says that we as Christians are always to be prepared to tell someone the reason we have for the hope we enjoy. If you don't do it, and you don't repent and turn from this sin of silence, then we are at least partially responsible for their eternity. But did you also know that God gives every believer, every believer, He gives gifts and abilities that are uniquely theirs, and He gives them those abilities and those gifts to be used in the family of God. 1 Peter 4.10, the Bible says, As each one, say each one, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you know that it is a sin of omission not to use what God gave you? It is a sin that we ought to be turning away from if we recognize and don't use the gift that God has given us. So friend, listen, are you continually looking to use your gifts to serve God all the more? Or are you content to sit back and be served? You do have the choice, but one's sinful and one's not. Every believer is called. To use the manifold grace of God that God has given you. Now, here's another sin of omission, and this is not on your outline. This is a bonus. This is, a, this is free. You don't have to pay for this one. But God absolutely desires to bless you. Did you know that? That as a child of his, he absolutely wants to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. But listen, he ain't going to chase you down. He's not going to force feed you his blessings. He wants you to come after it because it's another sin to not seek God, to not seek him. So can I ask you this question? Do you passionately seek after God? Do you seek to be in his presence? Seek to be in his word. Seek to serve his people. Do you seek to be in his daily presence and just manifest in his daily power? Listen to what God told another prophet. He told Jeremiah this. He said, when you call upon me and you go and you pray to me, I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when, say when. when. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The bottom line is this. If you seek God with all your heart, 
he, you'll find him in ways you never imagined you would. But the problem with the majority of Christians is, is we say our little grace prayer before dinner. We may bow our heads as we get out of the bed or say our bedtime prayers as we go to sleep. But we're not spending time with God. We're not searching after Him with all of our heart. Pleasing Him is not our number one priority. We're not searching after God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And therefore, we don't receive the things that God wants to give us. I think that these are sins. These sins of omission are things we need to turn away from. Would you agree with me with that? Good, let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is crystal clear about what you expect from your children and what you expect from your church. Lord, we ask your forgiveness and we repent. We turn away from not doing what you've clearly commanded us to do. Lord Jesus, we desire to deepen our fellowship with you by abiding in you. For, Lord, without you, we are nothing, we can do nothing, and we bring you nothing. Lord, we know that if we are to experience the revival we seek, both in our personal lives and in the life of our church, it will only be as a direct result of the time we spend at your feet. Jesus, forgive us for the sin of silence. We turn away from the pride. We turn away from the fear that inhibits us from telling others what you've done for us on the cross, Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive us for the times that we ask, where are you, Lord? But we don't even bother to seek you in our daily lives. Lord, you are worthy of every ounce of effort we can muster. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us to repent of these sins of omission for your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friend, there's one last one I want to share in this series to prepare you, to prepare me, to prepare us for God's mighty power and presence. Because it's something we must do. We must also repent of the sins of self-rule. See, we have come under this conclusion that we can do what we want to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I rule this. I'm the boss here. I'm not listening to anyone. This is my life. I'll do what I choose. But we've been saying all along that if we'll repent, if we'll change our mind, if we'll change our ways, we'll be exposed to and respond to God's word, and we will be closer to God than we have ever been before. But the sin of self-rule is often overlooked. Many believers have areas in their life that they refuse to surrender 
to Jesus. I may not know what they are, but you do. You don't know mine necessarily, and I do not know yours. But many believers have areas in their life that they haven't surrendered to Christ yet. But what I need to tell you this morning is, it's precisely these unyielded areas of our life that hinder the power of God from working in your life and hinder the power of God from helping this church to experience revival. What unyielded areas of your life have you yet to give over to Christ? In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus is clear what he expects from you, what he expects from me, and what he expects from us as a church. He said to all his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, how often? And follow me. What in the world does Jesus mean with all that? Here's what he means. Y'all ready? Say amen if you're ready. Amen. Here's what it means. It means that if you belong to Christ, there are going to be many times where you're going to be faced with a choice. Faced with a choice to do your own will or to do God's will. To do the wrong thing. Or to do the right thing. And Jesus says you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. And follow me. Are you choosing God's will over your own will? Friend listen it's only as you make the right choice. It's only as you choose to daily deny self and by faith obey God that you will experience his glorious power and this church will experience revival. As long as we got half the church choosing its own will over God's will, there will be no revival here. As long as you're choosing your own will over God's will, you cannot expect God's power to be revealed in your life. You can't expect God's blessing in your life if you're choosing your own will over God's will. It ain't happening. And you'll wonder a couple of months down the road, you'll say, why aren't you blessing me, God? Well, maybe you're not choosing God's will over your own. You're committing the sin of self-rule. But how in the world do you, do you get to that place? How do, how do you get to that place where you are dying to self? Well, I love the way that Paul put it. He wrote to some believers just like me and you, and he said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do you do it? 
you live a life of faith, believing that God has got this. How do you, how do you make that practical? How do you do that? Well, maybe you take a page from America's War on Drugs. You remember what Nancy Reagan said when they announced that war on drugs? She said, just say no. Just say no to those thoughts and those attitudes and those actions that you know are of the flesh. Say no to those things that the flesh desires. But there might be other times where you have to say yes. Where you say yes to actions and spiritual service that your flesh rejects. See, in the flesh there is no good thing. The only thing that makes us worthy, useful in the hands of God, is the Spirit of God that resides in us. Friend, do you think this is going to be easy? Let me assure you of something right now. It will not be. It will be the hardest thing you ever did. You'll have to make some of the most sacrificial choices you ever made. Hardest decisions you've ever come across. But dying to self can be tough. Dying to self can be very painful. To deny self ain't easy. So let me ask you this, friend. Has God asked you to let go of something? And you've had a, you've had a hold on it. But he's asked you to, to let go of something because it's hindering your fellowship with God? I don't know what that is for you. You don't know what that is for me. But we've got those things that we keep a death grip on. And we won't let them go. Even though our fellowship and our relationship with God is being hindered. Friend, listen. It's time to turn away from this sin of self-rule. It's time to surrender all. Say amen. amen. But the sin of self-rule also shows itself in another way. The sin of self-rule also reveals itself when we, re when we rely on our own strength to do God's work. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Whenever we have Meals on Wheels or we have... Uh, uh, a fellowship meal for homecoming or whatever, there's always one common concern. And you that are involved, you know exactly where I'm going with this because we're all worried. Are we going to have enough food? Are we going to have enough food? And we worry. We want to do good, right? And we say, well, maybe if we just go cook some more, right? But you know what? This is God's work. It's God's work. Maybe... Uh, You've been involved with CIA or Vacation Bible School, and you're wondering, oh, my gosh, there's so many loose ends. What am I going to do? Is this all going to come together? And then what happens? It all comes together, and people get saved. Amen. We can't rely on human strength to do godly work. That's one vital principle that we need to learn as believers. Listen to what Jesus told Paul. As Paul was struggling with his thorn in the flesh, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you don't, you don't need nothing else but me. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
And then Paul exclaimed, he got excited, and he said, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my weakness. I take pleasure in the insults. I take pleasure in my needs. I take pleasure in my distress. I take pleasure in my persecution for Christ's sake because when I am weak, then I am made strong. Did you know that God will not receive anything that you try to do for him in the flesh? As I mentioned, there ain't no good thing in the flesh, y'all. He'll only receive what we allow him to do through us in the spirit. The sin of self-rule, when you boil it all down, what it amounts to is pride. Pride is what cast Lucifer from heaven to hell. Pride is the most despicable sin in God's vocabulary. And when we commit the sin of self-rule, that's essentially what we're doing. So would you agree with me that we need to turn away from that sin? Say amen if you believe it. Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father God, please forgive us for clinging to those uncrucified areas of our life. Lord, we turn away from, we repent of anything that we've placed ahead of you. Lord, we know your word says that when the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and return to you, you will have mercy on us and you will abundantly pardon. Oh, we praise you for that. Oh, Lord, we do that now. We turn away from the sin of self-rule. And we return to you and ask your mercy and your grace upon us. Lord, we abandon our way of doing things. Lord, we abandon our way of thinking about things. And we surrender to you exclusively. Father, help us to live lives that produce fruits worthy of repentance. Lord, teach us that in our weakness we must surrender to your strength. Father, we know that there is no hope of revival unless you bring it. But Lord, we trust that we have been obedient in doing what you ask that we might experience a revival flood of your presence and power like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, As the deacons come forward to prepare for the Lord's Supper, I want to remind you of something today. The only way to prepare for the coming of the King, the only thing you can do to prepare for the coming of the King is to turn away from your sins, to repent of your sins. And listen, y'all, if you're listening, say amen. Amen. <laughs> Our King Jesus is coming soon. The signs of the times 
are as clear as the hand in front of my face. My question to you is this. Are you prepared? When the king comes, will he find you prepared or unprepared? Are you ready? The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And listen to what he said. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Here comes the important part. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I believe that it's only when we come to this place of true examination before God that we can expect him to do a mighty work in our midst. We've got to take a hard look at ourselves and answer some of these hard questions that we've been asking for weeks now. And we've got to do that because if you observe the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner without truly examining yourself, the Bible says you are guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. It's almost as if you did it. So with that being said, today we're reminded of how the Lord Jesus used a supper table. Used a supper table to help us remember that we ought to say, my Lord, I love you. And I remember what you did for me on that old rugged cross. Friends, as this bread is distributed, I want you to remember that Christ's body was broken in many ways. I want you to remember that the body of Christ was broken as a whip Pour into his back. I want you to remember that the brow of our Savior Jesus Christ was ripped open.